Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. So excited to welcome Kate Bird to the podcast today. She is a marketing and partnerships extraordinaire, having worked at WW Moe Hennessy and her latest role as Thomas Ashbourne's Craft Spirit CMO. But many of you know her from her passion for food, whether that's Kate Kitchen and her amazing cooking skills, I can totally attest her Kugel is amazing, or from her involvement in many of your favorite brands and restaurants in LA. If you haven't tried the Burr Sandwich at Giada, tuna sandwich. It's to die for. Walk, don't run. So without further ado, welcome, Kate. We're so excited to have you. Thanks for having me. Welcome. Thanks for the sandwich plug. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> so good. So good. Um, okay. So you're a listener. We are very grateful for that. So you know, we start every podcast with the question, what is your definition of fulfillment and what is your definition of success? And are they intertwined? Yes. Um, I think for me, fulfillment is that feeling of being aligned and balanced. I think that's when I most feel fulfilled. And then also just like waking up each morning and smiling. Like I tend to do this thing where I wake up each morning and I'm like, today's going to be a really good day. I think you kind of have to start each day with that mindset. It's easy to kind of get sucked into things. And then on top of that, just being thoughtful about the interactions with ourselves and others every day and how it affects us. So like, did that make us feel good? And then success For me, I think it's more about achieving the things that you always have imagined for yourself and then also achieving things that you could have never imagined for yourself. I find that happening a lot in my life where I like envision something and I'm like, I'll never get there. And then it happens and I'm like, wow, like that's incredible. I could do that. But then also being aware of how you get to those moments. And I think a lot of it is not remaining in a state of fear and not being too scared and just kind of being aware that on the other side of that feeling of fear 
I think we get caught in that a lot, but on the other side is growth and change and these things that ultimately lead us to success. And are they intertwined? Of course they are. I think when you are able to achieve success, it's because you feel fulfilled. I think when you don't feel fulfilled, it's harder to get to that point of success. Great answers all around. So I have a question. So on the fulfillment, you said, you say a lot, well, did that make me feel good? Is that a question that you ask yourself when you go about your day-to-day life? Like, oh, did that make me feel good? If no, I'm not doing that again. If yes, yes. I think that it's not something that I'm like super aware of, but after something, I tend to reflect a lot internally. And I think that's something that's just come with age and growing up and maturity of like, I wish I didn't say that. And like, why do I wish I didn't say that? And it's because of that didn't make me feel good. So just, I think it's just more of like being aware of your actions and it's not even actions like externally, but actions internally too. Like it's very easy to get caught in like thought and the voice in our head. And sometimes actually I, I had a psychic once say to me, like, just picture like a floating white feather. Like when you start to like ruminate and thought and get all these things in your mind And sometimes I'll be like, wait, let me picture this feather and like sit down for a second because the scenarios and the things that I'm making up in my head are not real. And they so easily like pull you into other things instead of just remaining present, which I think remaining in the present is what really remains you as staying fulfilled. I mean, I think it's something, it's a constant that we always have to remind ourselves of because it's so easy to spiral, um, especially with all the noise on social media. It's very tough. And I think what you mentioned before about like the self-awareness piece that also comes with age, like being more aware, because if you are not aware of something, you cannot change them. So do you find yourself like becoming more aware of things and then like kind of digging deep into that? Like, where is this coming from? And then kind of shifting. Yeah. And and naturally I think a lot of it comes with like, you know, you're in therapy and then like a therapist will be like, when you feel something like don't ignore it. And just these little things that you gain through life or Honestly, living in LA has brought a lot of that to me too. I find myself sometimes when I go back to New York where I'm from, it's just like, like everyone says about New York, it's go, 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 go. And obviously when you're going back to a city where you have a lot of friends and family and work things, like you're just constantly running around and it's so easy to lose track of self-awareness in LA. Like I'll be like, okay, like I just had back-to-back meetings for four hours, like go outside and go on a walk. And like, don't look at your phone and just like put it on do not disturb. And these little things that you could do that help with kind of staying in tuned to keeping that balance. Yeah. Whereas New York, it's like constant. It is constant. Well, it's a lot of dopamine hits too. I was thinking about this the other day, which I think is what makes it so exciting. It's like, there's always something in someone. I love New York. Yeah. It's the best. Yeah. Like I could so easily also live in New York. Well, I think especially with the tools you've probably developed, you can go there and like find peace and balance. Cause exactly. I actually feel like I found a lot of my peace there in a way. Cause I went away from home, I guess. So like, I think even that yeah. in and of itself creates a new, expands a new part of you. It does. Okay. So to be clear, you you're in therapy. Yes. Because, okay. So you have this amazing career, right? You've like done all the things from the outside. It looks like you've taken what you love, which is food and hospitality and like really created a career out of that, which is amazing. On one note, I really do want to know more about that. Like we listened to another podcast with you Mm -hmm. on it and it was like, oh, I always knew I wanted to be in food. Yeah. You know, 
something I think is really interesting is like, I really, for example, love music. And I was like, I have a horrible voice. So <laughs> it wasn't like I really could figure out what my place in music was. And it's not like you're a chef really. So it's like there, I mean, I say really, cause you might be an at-home chef. Yeah. But did you foresee this? Did you plan this? Was this sort of just moving with flow? Like, how did you get here? It's interesting because I had a similar thought of like, I love food. I love the act of dining. I love the feeling of bringing people together over a table. For me, that's what felt the most relatable. It was Mm -hmm. like growing up, food was always like a centerpiece of our family. My mom was a very good at-home chef. My dad loved going out for meals in the city, in New York City. And it was like when you're sitting at that table with family or friends or strangers, whatever it is, it's like, that's kind of where I felt the most present. Everything else going on in the world or in your life that felt uneasy or unstable or what have you washed away. And you're just like enjoying food and company. And that feeling I love so much and I connected to. So I knew I wanted to be in food, but I did not want to be in service. I didn't want to work in a restaurant. I didn't want to be a waitress because that's not what I related to. So I had this like early kind of recognition of I wanted to be in the culinary space. In college, I was connected to, I started like a food blog in college and like wrote for my college newspapers, like the food columnist person. And it just kind of became my shtick. And then in college, I interned for a celebrity chef agent. So at that point, it was like bringing myself into this world of talent and partnerships, whether it was helping them develop their shows or their cookbooks or their restaurant deals. And that's what I really fell in love with. It was like this idea of creating a brand around a person or an item or a restaurant or whatever it is. After college, in retrospect, when I look at my professional career, it always makes me laugh. I've been extremely fortunate where I've never had to cold apply for a job. I've never had to like update my resume and send it, send a LinkedIn. It's been all through networking and connections. That's amazing. um, Which I know is something we've always related on. So after college, I was connected to Eddie Wong, who's a you know, New York Times bestselling author. He had Fresh Off the Boat on ABC. He had a show on Vice. He had a restaurant say, Bauhaus. Vice, right? Yeah. So I started working for Eddie, who I met through a mutual friend at the time and helping him like develop his brand and expand his restaurant and just get kind of like more of a taste of like the 360 that goes into building this like culinary personality profile. From there, then went in-house with his like PR management agency, which focused largely on culinary hospitality. PR and consulting and partnerships was there for about five years, then went to another creative communication agency in the culinary space. There started like a partnerships and talent sect for them and then worked in their New York and then came over to LA to help kind of like grow their LA footprint in their LA office. Obviously, I think COVID really shook me because just its effect on the industry and hospitality. And at that point I was like, who am I? Because my identity was so integrated with food. Like everyone knew me as like the food person. So to see like the restaurants closing and my chef's friends, like not knowing what to do, I was like, I was on furlough. I'm like, what am I doing? Like, where do I go from here? And then obviously like many people, like all these silver linings started to come out of it. I think that 2020 to like 2022 timeframe was like super expansive 
for me in terms of growth. Within that, I started getting all these consulting clients and like, you know, a lot of the stuff went into the digital space. So it's like, what are we doing digitally now within the culinary space? And and that's so closely tied with building brands for culinary personalities and pop-up restaurants and drops and like all these things. Mm -hmm. And like so much beauty came out of it. Like I remember I was on like a podcast with like Daniel Hume from 11 Madison Park. And I'm like, what is my life right now? Like I'm on like these things started happening and it just empowered me even more. And you know, I've always wanted to do my own thing. I think I kind of keep this little like psychological monkey in my back. That's like, can you, and I question myself and I've never actually done it, which I think a lot of people can relate to, but in that I got a taste of it. And that was really big for me. And then I went to WW for like a very short, short period of time, which is more of like what am I doing right now? I kind of just need a job. And then in that time, I was connected to someone at Moet Hennessy. And they're like, we need help with our culinary strategy for a lot of our different spirits and champagnes. And I'm like, this is a dream. Like, you need me to come up with what chefs you should work with, what culinary so experiential. Yes. But first you were consulting for them, right? And then First turned- I was consulting. And I was like, this is what all I've ever wanted. It was like, I finally have proven my worth as this like culinary human being that that has really strong relationships and really great ideas and people were paying me for them. And it was going so well with Moet Hennessy. They ended up bringing me in-house to run consumer engagement for their prestige champagnes, which was such an incredible experience a, I learned so much that I had not done prior, but B, I was like traveling the world and being able to ideate ideas and bring them to life, which is one of my favorite things ever. And then after a year or so there, um, I was approached about the opportunity at Tom Sashborn to be the CMO. And naturally you get like imposter syndrome of like, I can't be a CMO. Yeah. Like, what do you mean? Like, that's not next in my resume. And my CEO, who's absolutely incredible, is like, I don't think I know you're amazing. She's known me a long time. And she was like, let's do this together. And I was like, let's do this together. Like, I went from a massive global corporation like LVMH to a five-person company. And it has been so rewarding. I was, I still am scared shitless every day. Like, a startup is very much a startup. And I've never been in an actual startup before. Mm -hmm. But- the amount of growth that has come out of just like a few months has been, you know, incredible. And the amount that I'm learning, like I'm sitting in investor meetings. It's interesting that you say like, you've never been in a startup, but kind of you have, in my opinion, from looking in, it's like, you've always like built new divisions, new things in like the company that you're at, right? Like I remember with WW, even if you were only there for a short amount of time, you you started this like new division with Moa Hennessy too. Like you just always, when I think of Kate, I think of like builder. Like I feel like the zero to one of something is like super exciting for you. And you even just alluded yeah. to it, right? Like ideating and bringing it to life. Is that something you've always had? Because even with like your, your consultancy or like Kate's Kitchen, those are all like you bringing an idea to life. You're not, like a lot of people have ideas. Not a lot of people execute on them. Yeah, that's where I really thrive. It's like, I love the timeline of like a brainstorm and like coming up with these ideas to full execution. But the ideas for me are not just like, oh, like I want to start this company. It's like really bringing 
things that you wouldn't think would go together and connecting them and creating something greater than. I've always found, I'm speaking of fulfillment, so much fulfillment in the collective and the others. Like helping other people is really, sometimes I think I become a little too selfless and I have to be like, okay, remember you're might be getting taken advantage of, but like it does bring me so much happiness. So like, for example, we just launched an espresso martini with Neil Patrick Harris. And I used to work with the donut plant, which is this like iconic donut shop in New York city. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, how do we bring our espresso martini to like a larger consumer that like maybe might not be thinking of drinking espresso martini every night and having that like liquid to lip experience. So I pitched Donut Plant and the idea of launching an espresso martini donut with us Mm. in collaboration with Neil Patrick Harris for National Donut Day. And they like tested all these different donuts and it was so fun. And then we did this like limited time only espresso martini donut paired with our espresso martini. And we had this like event in New York where we invited all this media and influencers. And it was so amazing. We were like on the news, in the newspaper, like all this stuff then built this buzz and gained this traction from it. And then watching that all come together is so rewarding because who would have ever thought that like a craft spirits company would collab with Donut Plant, would collab with Neil Patrick Harris. Like Mm -hmm. it's just bringing these things together to create this like energy that like didn't exist before. And for me, that is the best. So I mean, this is all very impressive. And honestly, it sounds like on paper and off paper, like you've had a glamorous, pretty lucky career. I'm sure a lot of that's like luck and talent and, you know, all of it. To the point of our podcast, tell us about the not so glamorous. Yeah. I mean, like I am so the person that could get paralyzed by anxiety. Really? Not, you know, I shouldn't say that because I think people actually do. I have a very good headspace in that, but there are times where it just feels so overwhelming that I don't know where to begin. Or there's a lot of times where I'm like, I can't do this, but I, I can, and we all can. Yeah. But you start to get caught in this thought of like, where do I begin to, so to how even do tackle this? Move through that. I think also juggling teams and other people, it's like, everyone wants to like run, 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 stop, especially in a startup. And there's a lot of opinions flying around. So for me, I think it's a couple of different things. One, I'm, I'm an intuitive thinker. So if I really believe in something, not that like I'm right and that's the only way, but if I believe in something and it conflicts with, you know, another teammate's idea or the way they want to execute it, I always pause and I'm like, hold on. Like, this is what I think. And this is why I think this way. And this is how I think it will benefit us. Mm-hmm. And majority of the time they agree. I think there's that. And then there's also kind of, we get stuck in like the macro and we tend to like think like of the future and further out. Like, how do I reach that point? But the reality is we have to bring it back presently and like peel away the parts. And then I kind of tend to look at things like in a micro view of like, okay, what can I tackle today? Mm -hmm. What can I get done right now? I'm a big checklist girly like a box next to a line and check and cross it off. Because mm-hmm. for me, like that crossing it off is so, so fulfilling. fulfilling. Yeah. So I think it's really just breaking it down. It's easy to get overwhelmed by it all. I think sometimes I wear a very strong belt 
or people think I wear the strong belt, but I kind of battle with a lot internally. Mm-hmm. I'm not good at expressing my frustration in the workplace. I think personally, I'm very good at communicating when it comes to work. I tend to kind of just internalize, which I don't know if it's the best thing to do. But yeah, I think it's also just kind of like doing that and then knowing like we're not emergency room doctors. Like mm-hmm. we're good. Right. Everything's okay. We're going to make it through. I think that was something that I've always like, people tend to get really caught up in that. And it's like, we're not saving lives. Like yeah. we're, you know, feeding people and we're like bringing craft cocktails, which is like yeah. very important, but, but still. yeah. So I think always remembering that as well. So how about in your personal life? Like it sounds like 2020 kind of threw you for a loop and like it shifted for the positive. Your career expanded in different ways and like yeah. you kind of called in all these amazing opportunities. It's just like amazing. And I feel like that was honestly the truth for many people. Like it like completely shifted us and it like shook us up. It was like a global Saturn return or something. Like everyone was like, okay, you got to like reshift your priorities, whatever you're doing. So on a personal level in your personal life, do you apply the same concepts? Like how do you operate in your personal life? Um, Differently. I think I tend to throw myself into work sometimes to avoid personal. I think that within that growth of career, I've also had a super expansive growth personally. I went through, I think it was like on the friend side, like you kind of, I think it all like allowed us to see like who is meaningful in our lives. And I, I kind of not cut people out, but I was more aware of like who is an energy giver and who's an energy sucker and like who I want to like be around in those moments. And then on a like personal level in terms of like dating and stuff, I was so avoidant to my own feelings in it. I guess I was in an experience where I wasn't keeping my eyes open and was ignoring gut feelings and all that stuff. And it went on way too long, but at the end of it, it was like an explosive ending. It was almost like the universe saying like, if you won't do it, like we're going to do it for you. This is in a relationship. Yeah. I mean, a pseudo relationship, whatever. I mean, it was a relationship, whatever you want to call it, a situationship, (laughs) what the kids call it these days. But it came to what I thought was a very nice ending. And then I later found out a few weeks later, a crazy ending. And it was so fucking hard. Like it really was, but it also was so freeing. And when I was freed of it, that's when so much clarity came into my world. Mm -hmm. And I just feel like now I'm so aware how people are and how people act and their actions and what they say and what they do. And if those things are aligned, which has been such a new experience for me, like it's being so in tune to like the littlest things. Like I recently was dating someone who I remember I was telling them about my brother and his wife becoming pregnant after they had some difficulties. They lost a child last year after he only survived for a short time. But the person I was dating at the time did not even write me back, picked up the phone and like FaceTime me. I was like, tell me everything. And I remember the person that I was with before when the baby was lost, I was like, where are you? Like, I need to talk to you. And it was like total avoidance. And the next day he was like, sorry, I don't look at my phone on Sundays. 
I'll call you later. I'm like, oh my gosh, my nephew just passed away. Like it just, it's like night and day, but it's those experiences that open your eyes to what you actually deserve. And as sick as this sounds, I don't, I wouldn't have changed that experience with that person prior who really dragged me through shit because now I have such an appreciation for good people and the way we all deserve to be treated that I would have never had unless I went through that. I think what you're saying, like, it really like resonates with me too. Like endings, we often see them as like these like horrible things. Like they end, like relationship ends. Like I'm no longer the CEO of this company. My life is going to end, but there's so much like beauty and growth on the other side. And if we can kind of reframe endings as not a bad thing, but more of like, as you said, COVID happened and it ended a lot of your career, but it was hugely expansive for your relationships yeah. ending and feels relieved, like freedom, right? Yeah. So I think like this notion of like, it's not goodbye. It's more, you know, you can still grieve that because like it was probably a part of your identity and you need to say bye to it. But I think a lot of the time it's actually an amazing opportunity for growth. And it seems like in your career, you had a lot of that too. I think, um, I have, I keep saying, I think, but I know these things. I have the ability to process things positively, which I know is not easy. Something I appreciate about myself. So like in those moments, yeah, like I go through the difficult parts. I cry, I'm upset, but I also see a lot of the positives and the silver linings. Like I was at a dinner the other night and and a girl was telling a story about another girl where she was like, I've dated everyone in New York. I need to move to LA. Like I can't do this anymore. And like even recently coming out of something, I never feel that way. I'm like, you know what? Like that sucked, but if that's the situation, like that's kind of the reality and like, great. Now I get to like go experience life and meet new people and, you know, get more learnings and all these things, which, you know, is not easy to have that mindset, but I I've always been really aware that I am a positive thinker in that. So, you know, that's always been really helpful. It's like seeing that. And then just being aware that I lived in a state of fear for so long going through that other situation that it it makes me so much less fearful that, yeah, like there's moments where I still have that where I'm like, oh, I don't want to tell that person like really how I feel yet and like whatever. But it also makes me live in that state less in that it's so easy to be like, this is too good. This is really scary. Like I got to back away. And instead it's embracing it and just filling our own cups of happiness. I think we're so easily also influenced by others and people's opinions and like our families get involved and our friends get involved and everyone wants to share what they're thinking. But at the end of the day, like your happiness is what really matters. And if you're happy, then everyone around you is going to be happy. How do you recharge? Because when I see your life, I mean, I know I've seen the highlight reel, but it's like, you know, you're traveling all the time. You're in New York for God knows how long you're, <laughs> you're running all these partnerships. Like, do you have time for yourself? Do you carve that out? Like, how do you? Yeah. I'm a big, like in my calendar, Kate, like I put dedicated nights. I say no to things. I'll book- Is that, by the way, sorry to interrupt, yeah. but like, did that come natural to say no to things? Because I think it's really hard. And Jasmine and I have experienced this a lot to like, be like, you know, this, all my friends are going, but like, I really need a night in. So I'm going to say no. 
when it's like those type of situations, sometimes I feel obligated, like, because I want to be there for my friends. I want to go to that event. I think at the same time, it's more of like a lot of people ask me to get dinner, which I get it. Like I, I'll drive to anywhere. I'll go to the new restaurant. I think that's, what's like exciting about it is they know that's so like, great. Like this place just opened in Eagle Rock. I'm like down. Yeah. But in that, like, that's what I say no to a lot of is like these dinners and people will be like, you're booking me three weeks out. And I'm like, yeah. And like, don't be offended by it. Like, that's what I do. Get on my calendar. It's not to be obnoxious or not. It's not even being too busy. It's just sometimes like I know because I am traveling because I am working very long hours at a startup. I need those nights to myself. And in that recharging for me, like I love cooking. I love going to the farmer's market alone and just walking around. And even if I don't buy anything, like the me time is very important. I also love being around like friends. Like even if it's just ordering in sushi, like that's a recharge for me. And I'm a big routine person. So when I am traveling a lot, I feel a little off kiltered in that like here I like wake up at you know, 5.30 or 6 or 6.30 a.m. and go to my workout. And then I come home and I do my thing and I, you know, have my supplements or whatever it is. Like there's such a routine that I get into that sometimes it's a little obsessive. I think I have like a little OCD in me, but the routine in that is also very therapeutic and grounding. Yeah, yeah I agree. I feel like, um, I used to feel that way. Like I would be like, I can't book people out three weeks in advance. That's crazy. But then I ended up spending, when I lived in New York, all of my money and time and like energy because drinking, you obviously want, I usually like to drink at dinner. It's like, I'm like, I can't be exhausted Monday through Thursday. Like I just, it's such an art and also kind of leaving room for spontaneity, right? For like letting things happen. Which I love. Yeah. Like almost you have to build structure to create space for spontaneity, which is kind of an oxymoron. But I can imagine that, especially if you're so busy or working long hours that you need that to reset. Yeah. Which brings me to my next question. Like, how do you fit in dating? A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. It's funny. I like find dating for me interesting because I'm not an app girl. And I have friends that are married with kids off of apps. I support them wholeheartedly. I just don't find enjoyment in sitting on an app, looking through photos, texting people. Like I don't enjoy that. I like just like going out for the dinner or whatever it is. 
I also have been very fortunate where people set me up more so than other people. I don't know why, but it it flows in, which is great. I recently was dating somebody who was in New York, which I kind of loved because I'm like, oh, like I could do this coastal thing. Like my family's there. I fly back long periods of time. Like it was nice. It was new for me. I've never done long distance before, but it actually was really refreshing because we built so much of like our connection and foundation off of communication. Yeah. Which is a rarity. I think also you guys know you lived in New York. Dating in New York is like you go for drinks and you hop here and da da da. And by the end of the night, you're like wasted, four drinks in. And then like every date tends to be like that. It's like a marathon date. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a marathon date, which is like fun. Like, don't get us wrong. Like, we love that. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's but here, <laughs> here I found it like a little bit slower. Mm-hmm. So, to fit it in for me is not that big of an issue because, like, they flow in like every so often. And I just, not that I haven't prioritized it, but I think the thing that I was in prior with that toxic human being, it was on and off for like, almost six years. And I think subconsciously, I didn't allow myself to open up to other things because of of it. Or I shouldn't say that to pull in people who were deserving to be with me. I don't, wasn't putting the energy out there in a true way. So I went out with some great people, had a lot of fun, but it wasn't the people that I like saw a future with. And I don't think I started seeing a future potentially with anyone until that was finally put to bed. So when that was finally put to bed, I've only had like one experience dating somebody since then that actually was really special. It ended recently, but also like I look at that experience and I'm like, that sucks it ended. It was, I I felt it was like cut a little short, but like now I know how I deserve to be treated. That person treated me amazingly well. Yeah. And now the bar is set even higher. But, you know, it's not that I can't find time to dating. It's just I more so kind of like let it happen. That's I think that's healthy. So yeah. do you feel like you're in flow with that? Like I think I've like been on and off. I'm 32. I've <laughs> I feel like every, all my friends recently are like, you always have a boyfriend, which is kind of true. <laughs> but also like not in my mind. I'm, I don't know. I like started to have boyfriends at 26. I wasn't like, I had my first boyfriend in high school, but whatever, besides the point in my mind, I feel like I've been single a lot. And which is true. Like even my current boyfriend and I have broken up before, but I do think that there's like periods of time where, at least for me, where I would be very honed in on dating and it almost takes the fun out of it. And it's become like, it becomes your whole life and you become so like almost fear dating. Yes. And that's not going to be a time where you're like, filling your own cup. That's not going to be a time where you know what you deserve. That's going to be a time where you're relying on something or someone's approval to make yourself feel good. So I think it's like a really, it sounds like you have a healthy balance of being like, I have my own life. I have my own career and I'm open to this and I'm allowing it to happen without like crushing it, you know? Yeah. I've never felt defeated by it. What's interesting is that I have never had somebody that I called my boyfriend. So I guess technically I've never had a boyfriend, (laughs) Um, which, which when I always think about that, I'm like, that's kind of funny, but I'm also at a place where like, I know, and I don't want this to sound conceited. I just know my worth and my value now. And I know how like normal I am and how it's hard to find that, that I'm like, I'm not worried about myself. 
I'm smart. I like to have fun. I'm funny. Like I cook, like I work. Oh, you're a package you know, deal. 100%. I'm a package yeah, deal. You know nice Jewish worth. girl from New Jersey. Like, but it took me a while. Like I always had like this, like not always, probably when I turned 30, I had this like a layer of confidence, but since then it's built, 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 but I just don't want to settle. Like I, and you shouldn't, I think a lot of, you know, we have a lot of friends getting married, having kids. And you look at some relationships that end quickly because they thought that was it. And I think every new experience, and then also just finding your own self-worth and self-happiness then leads you even closer to finding a person that aligns with who you, who's just matched with you. Like it's like finding that puzzle piece. So you kind of mentioned this just now, how has your relationship with yourself changed through all these years? Like, you know, I think like when we're, we're the same age, I guess. So it's like when you get to 32, you haven't, like, I know my relationship with myself has drastically changed and like not even inconsistently, right? Like I've like skyrocketed in this confidence and then been at the bottom and then come back up. Like, how has that changed for you? Like, has that been, have you always been someone who's been super in their power and like, know, you know, their worth? I mean, it sounds like it's getting only better with time, but have you had moments where you're like, I don't know. And just to add to that too, is like self-worth, I think is one of the number one things, especially women struggle with. Like, that's why we really started this podcast too, is like, you can be the CEO of a billion dollar company, but you don't have that self-worth, you're unfulfilled. And I think in order to be fulfilled, I think you need to have self-worth, right? If you don't have self-worth. So it's like, how do you even cultivate this like self-worth? And, and by the way, like a lot of people who are 32 and single of my friends are like so desperate, like they're putting out that energy. It's like, oh my God, I, I have a time, like I need to get married. And I understand that for sure. But it's also like really beautiful to be like, no, I know my worth. I'm not going to settle. And I'm going to find someone fucking amazing because I am amazing. And I'm, I'm smart. I'm beautiful. I cook like all the things. Yeah. Right. So it's like, where does that even like come from? It's hard. I think, no, to answer your question, I haven't always been like this. I found majority of my self-worth before personal self-worth in work. So the fact that my identity was so strongly tied with what I did in the food space, I I knew it. I knew it like the back of my hands. Like that for me came so effortlessly because of that. When, when in the workspace, I had a lot of confidence and people saw me from afar and was like, she's so confident. Like I recently was in a conversation with one of my best friends who's really close with this girl I went to college with who was younger. And she was like, what's Kate's deal? She's always been like that older, confident, like what? In college? Like, no, I wasn't. Like, right. It just is so funny what people see and perceive perceive you. I know. That's the other thing. That's also a big part of this podcast is like, you know, pulling back the curtain and seeing through it. Because it's like, it's so easy in any situation to be like, but I have all this, or I feel this, or I made this money, or I did that. And then like, has nothing to do with that. Like your self-worth really doesn't at the end of the day. Like, yeah. but what you perceive is it's like, and then I think we all perceive others as better or, or what we see on Instagram. And then we end up feeling really bad about ourselves. Cause we're like, well, they just seem to have it all, but it's like, and it's funny. Cause we know that they don't. Yeah. yeah. Like, I know. I think it's definitely <laughs> starting to become more of a trend to not Yeah, to be vulnerable. But wait, I want to go back. So you had this like confidence and self-worth when it came to work and you were very confident. So how did that translate to being just feeling that self-worth in personal and just all around it too? 
honestly, it took a, a minute. I really didn't reach that point until, you know what I always reminds me of? Do you remember the birthday I had in my friend's backyard, yes. the chef? Yes. That birthday was the first birthday where I felt personally very fulfilled and like my self-worth was there. And I credited a lot to also the people I surrounded myself with. I think I just became in tuned with like the circle of friends and the people you bring into your life so heavily affects you because I look at some friends when I go through hard things and the shit that they say, I'm like, no, you kind of know, like what friends are like your bread and butter and which ones are kind of not and keeping those ones a bit closer. For me, it's always just because I give so much of myself to other people that I get a lot out of them. And I think that when you're surrounded by really good people who are giving you energy, like it just propels you that much forward. I also, listen, like started doing these like little things. Like I started journaling. I like started... I've started therapy, like these, these things that I think that like open you up, open you up and, and allow you to reflect more to then get to that point where you get more of that self-worth, but like, there's no recipe for it. Mm -hmm. It's hard to kind of look and say like, what exactly did I do? Or what do I do to get me there? I think it has to be like a bit innately in you to a degree or just believing in yourself. Like I try also just doing that for other people and sharing only my own experiences and and not projecting onto them what they should do, but kind of saying like, this is what I went through. Like I had a really good friend go through a breakup. I'm like, and then she retracted back and, and I just spoke to her. I'm like, listen, like, this is what I went through. I realized X, Y, Z. And like, it was, it fucking sucked. But at the end of the day, if you're not feeling happy, there's a reason you walked away from it. Mm -hmm. And just being aware of those things and letting it sit for a second. And like, here, I read this really great book. Like you should read this, like just things like that. I don't know. Like, I think also talking about it with other people helps you then validate it with yourself. Yeah. But it's hard to kind of like hone in on. So the point of believing in yourself. Mm -hmm. At first, when you said that, I was like, I don't think I, I thought about myself. And I was like, I don't know if I naturally believed in myself. But then I think actually we all are born naturally believing in ourselves. And then we're taught things or shown things that make us feel less 100%. than an inferior. I because I think somewhere deep in me, I'm like, no, I can fucking do it. I can do this. And I think like a good piece of advice or like not to you, but even like what you were saying that you were kind of giving to your friend is like, well, what would you do if you believed in yourself? And like, how would you date if you Mm -hmm. knew your worth? You know, you would be like, well, I don't want to settle. Yeah. Right. If you were scared, you would be in the opposite. And I think that's always the distinction is being like, if I did believe in myself or if I did believe I could do it, or if I thought I was as good as whoever I'm looking at on social media, how would I approach the situation? Yeah. It's, um, it reminds me, I wrote down this note of, um, Rabbi Steve Leader, I don't know he's yeah. he gave a sermon during Yom Kippur about, you know, obviously atoning for your sins. And he was saying that like, when you ask most people what they regret in their life, it's not stuff that they did do, it's stuff they didn't do. And it's 100%. that sin of omission. And ever since I've listened to that, like that's really also inspired me about that we don't have to be like spectators in our own life and just sit and wait for things to happen. Like 
we actually need to be proactive because we have free will. Like you can, you know, picture this future for yourself or these things that you want, but you have the free will to make the decisions to get to that point. It's so interesting when you go through these moments and you then look at the the things that you've done. Like I remember um, after I like ended things or I was going through a hard time with the guy I was involved with before I like booked a trip to New York. It was July 4th. I was like savage mode. And I ended up hooking up with a guy that was staying at the same house as me in the Hamptons. And now he is like one of my closest friends. But I I look at that experience and I'm like, he brought so much into my life at the right moment that I needed it. And there was a reason that I met him and we like had the experience that we had. And since then we've had like open conversations, how we love each other so much, but like more than that's not there for us. And we literally just want to be friends. And now he's like my best friend. And then I recently went through this other ending of dating somebody like last week or two weeks ago. And one of my best friends is like, I'm going to Italy to the Malfi Coast for this birthday and you should just come. And I was like, yes. And I booked it yesterday. And I usually don't do stuff like that, but I'm like, why don't we do that? Like, yes, obviously it's expensive and like all those things. But I think it's just like saying yes to more things. Like people are always like to me, you're out so much. Like how do you, like, we're going to all these things like da, 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 da. And I'm like, cause there's a point where I also like, I schedule me time, but I also know the benefits and the beauty and meeting new people, having new experiences, never know what you're walking into. Like that's always fueled me of that, like the thought of like, I'm going to a stranger's 30th birthday. Like I'm going to meet so many great people. Like that's so cool. And that's so fun. So fun. And from those interactions, your whole life could be changed. I could not agree more because something that you said, again, really resonated. It's just like, we're so like in our heads, it's about like productivity or like practicality, like going to Amalfi with everyone just on a spur of moment. That's probably not practical, but yes, it's fun and spontaneous and I should, and I want to meet so many people and my life may change. But so often I think life trains us to think, is this practical? Mm-hmm. Is this, you know, going to give me like instant dopamine? Is this something like I should be doing based on like what other people say? Is it productive of my time? Like why do we have to view opportunities like that? Why can't we just like gut feeling? We all have our women, especially are very in touch with their intuition. Like, why can't we just listen to our gut and say, yes, why are we like weighing it based on like what society has yeah. input yeah. into us? Well, I think it's like, I mean, in, at least in my personal experience, I can sometimes be too much of both sides. Mm-hmm. Like I'll be like, I'm not drinking and I'm not going out and I'm saying no to everything and I'm saving money too. and whatever for like three weeks. And then I'm depressed and miserable and anxious. And I'm like so extreme one way. And then on the flip side, I'm like, I'm saying yes to things I can't afford yeah. running myself into debt. Like I think the balance is really a being in tune with yourself the way Annabelle just described and also be like, giving yourself the grace to kind of lean in and be like, that sounds fun. I want to do that. And like, it's almost the lean in. Yeah. Like leaning in, in a very balanced way and not, not making everything so serious. Cause I think, you know, you can only live a healthy life by having a little bit of like knowing when to say no and knowing when to say yes. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I think that's something I've only learned through experience and I'm in a, right now I'm in a really good balanced mode. But if you talked to me this time last year, I was fresh off being extremely like a monk 
and like really crazy, <laughs> like strict with myself. And then I went, I swung the opposite. Cause that's the other thing when you kind of deprive yourself either way, you end up being like, I need the exact opposite. You almost like, it's almost like the kids that are, you raise your kids in a really strict household and they mm-hmm. end up being so wild because they just like need that. So I think there's a level of just finding that in between too. Yeah. Well, I love what you said about not being so serious. I feel like that's yeah. very my MO. Like even when it comes down to like, like a dating long distance, like for me, I was like, that sucks. Like I want to be with this person so much more than I am, but yes, because like so fun, like now I get to go back to New York more and like he could come here and we could travel other places. And like, it wasn't looking at it negatively, but more of like, this is exciting. Like, this is cool. Like think about how much more special it is when we get to see each other and the things that we get to do and like the experiences we'll get to have because we're not in the same city. I think people also get this like fear of the unknown, which I also get sometimes, but more of like embracing the unknown more of like, what city will I end up in? Like, is it LA? Is it New York? Maybe it's Europe. Maybe it's Canada. Like, I I don't know. Like, and the excitement that you could have of just seeing where life takes you, I think is really cool because we just don't know. Like you look back and you're like, how am I sitting at this table in Los Angeles right now? Like I thought I would never leave New York city. Right. Yeah. It's like, we unknowingly subscribe to this, like being ordinary because everyone around us is like doing the same thing. So it's like, we want to be like them, but instead, like, like Kate said, it's like, we got to embrace this like unknown. And like, why are we trying to like fit in when we can like stand out and when we can move to Europe and like society pressures? Yeah. There's just, Uh, well, that's, I think the biggest thing. And we're like so flooded with all of that. And I think, I mean, there's always that I'm sure, I think it's like many maybe Gabby Bernstein, maybe, I don't know, we talked about it on one of our podcasts, but it's like this idea that like not knowing is the magic of life. Uncertainty is the magic of life. Like that means endless possibilities. That means it's beyond what your imagination can come up with. And mm-hmm. I think that even like for us with this podcast, we were like not knowing where it was going to go. And even now it's like, you know, people are enjoying it. Yeah. We're like, okay, we're going to commit more. And we're like, we have to get on TikTok. And then we're like, <laughs> but maybe we don't need to do things the way everyone else is doing it. Yeah, like maybe just go on threads. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. Well, okay. That's, that brings up another point. It's like, I don't know if you guys know like Sarah Blakely's story of like starting yeah. Spanx, but she found that like the industry, like everyone was male making like pantyhose for women. And it's just like, doesn't make sense. And instead of doing it like the right way and like doing it, like finding the supplier and then going to the train shows and whatever. She literally went to Nordstrom and like got the sales associate and took her into the bathroom so she could look at her spanks. Like she did not do things the normal quote unquote way. She did things differently. And when I started Breeze, that was like a huge inspiration for me. I didn't know anything about the airports, just like she knew nothing about that industry. And so instead of doing it the right way and doing like the RFPs and all that, which I knew would never work because it was such a different concept for Breeze, I went to these like random airport conferences. I wore a yellow blazer. I stood the fuck out. I like met people that way. And I did it very differently to get into an airport. So people in the airport industry always say like, well, how did you get in? Like, you have to do all of these things. And I'm like, no, like I didn't do any of those things. Mm-hmm. And I'm live at LAX, right? So it's just, it's really interesting. Instead of like trying to subscribe to like what society tells you you have to do, if you put your magic on it, like we all have our own innate magic. And a lot of the times we diminish our magic so we can fit in, but then it's like, you're not going to bring your own magic to life, right? Like what's the point of that? Yeah, it's so true. 
So you said this a few times and I, I really think it's, it's powerful and I want to like both draw attention to it and ask you about it. So this idea of like looking at, cause there's toxic positivity, right? Which is like, oh, it's fine. And like ignoring things. No. And there's taking (laughs) experiences that didn't pan out maybe as you expected and being like, hmm, what can I take from this that and like celebrate in it? And you seem to be very good at that in a very healthy way. And that seems to have been innate in you. I guess, A, I just want to point that out and celebrate that in you. But also, where did you get that from? And is that something you like have to mindfully do? Or is that something that you've just kind of... So that's interesting. You just asked me where I got it from because I never thought about that. I think I got it from my dad because mm. I look at him. We went through, he went through like a shit storm, family business, siblings, like all mm. that stuff. It was really hard. Like, you know, financially on the family, doesn't speak to either. Like it was, there's a lot that went on there. And he always had this like zest for life still. And it's now something I could look back on that time, which was so difficult and admire about him is that like, he just wants to have fun and he Mm. just wants to be around his family and he just wants to enjoy life. And there is so much beauty in that. And thinking about it now, like it's definitely from him. Yeah. And that's amazing to like get that quality and like even be able to recognize it now and be like, I got that from you because that's an amazing quality. And I think like this plays directly into our first question and the ethos of our podcast, but sort of like, I even talk about it with my friend Chloe a bit, like we've both had very serious romantic relationships. I'm in a new one now and she's not currently, but like she's had these amazing experiences and she's like, I don't consider that like neither of us consider that a failure just because they ended. Like I actually think my relationship with my ex is like, was completely a success. Mm -hmm. And I think being able to really reframe things in life and genuinely mean that and believe that is like so powerful. Yeah. And just on top of that, like, it's true what they say, like time heals all, like going through the hard times, it sucks. And and there's wounds, there's scars, but every day will bring more clarity and allow us to think that way. Yeah. So, Kate, what's your point? What's the point? Um, well, I thought a lot about this question. <laughs> I put together um, some thoughts on it. So <laughs> my point, type a, my type a I know, right? I actually recently had a, a psychic tell me that one of my core commitments to myself this lifetime is to have a lot of fun, which resonated with me so much. And also I think was the reason I was like, let me book this Amalfi trip. Like, let me do this. You know, it just boils down to that life is hard and there's going to be obstacles and there's going to be roadblocks. And at the same time, there's also like new experiences and new loves and new opportunities. So I'd say the point is to remember to always have fun and to do the things and keep the people in our lives that ultimately bring us happiness because we only get one shot at this and truly we don't want to look back and, and regret the things that we didn't do. That's so inspiring. Yeah, that's I, great. I needed to hear that. Too. I love it. So thank you so much, Kate. <laughs> thank Thanks. you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, 
HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.